Hey, this is Lawrence Juba from Wings, and you're listening to Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All, the Beatles and related podcast, video cast, any cast you want, as long as I'm not in a cast. Um, but I do have a nice cast with me. Ha ha. Ooh, uh, I am your moderator for this week, Mitch Axelrod. Um, and joining me, as they always do, are the cast of characters, Tony Chiguardo. Hi, folks. And Rob Leonard. Hello, everyone. How you doing? And we're going to cover uh, the latest documentary done uh, by Macca on Macca for Macca. Um, no, it's for Micah. The, well, for, for Micah. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, it's called McCartney three, two, one. It debuted on Hulu and in other countries on Disney plus and wherever you can find it in July of 2021. Um, and it was pretty much six 30 minute parts that you could watch either consecutively or daily, whatever you wanted to. Um, and it was basically Rick Rubin, or it is basically Rick Rubin, the producer, very famous producer, if you, if you don't know, uh, sitting down with Paul and just really, pardon my French, but just shooting the shit, quite honestly. Um, and very, very well done. Um, I watched it when it first came out, and I watched it again actually today as this taping. And um, my opinion of it was strong then. My opinion of it only got stronger after watching it uh, about a month or so after the initial watching. Um, some of the criticisms I had, which we'll go over you know, with everybody, uh, are, are really petty. Um, and some of them I don't even want to say. But um, the well, I, then I, Mitch I, isn't going to say them. Good night, everyone. We'll see. No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to talk about them. But overall, just me and you, Tony, what's that? Just, <laughs> we hated it. No, I'm <laughs> so now it's you guys. I thought it was. I thought it was you two. Uh, no, but you know what? The uh, the one thing I'll say, I, I did ha- on our page, the Fab Four Free for All page. I did do about a, a t- eleven point um, essay about you know what what was good and what was bad, and I, I'm not going to go through them all. Um, the one thing that I did think was a little bit of an error here is that they called each part something different because Paul says the line in that part and they decided to call it that uh, it does. And, and they did actually have a blurb for each, you know, description of each part. You could throw that out the window. This yeah. is basically one yeah. long documentary that like Tony had said off mic, someone just snipped after 30 minutes each time. Because there's no rhyme or reason. Um, it's all good. It's it's not bad. I don't mean it like that. But there's no rhyme or reason to you know what they're no. talking about. They just really it's just one long documentary. I'm convinced yeah. that they actually did take you know a whole however many days they shot, and I think they just took different segments to make thirty minutes. Correct. Time. I don't. You know, I was joking about the snip, snip, snip. I think it was right. like oh. Look, he finished, wrapped up that piece. That's 30 minutes. Done. This right. Is the 29 minutes. That's done, you know. Yeah. The, and the last one is like 27 minutes out of yeah. uh, the last piece. Yep. But, you know, yes, we, we, we do. When, put it this way. When we first heard about this documentary coming out, it was very intriguing. Uh, it was in black and white, the trailer. And, and I love that kind of old film noir, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're talking about like, 
older stuff. And let's face it, you know, Beatle music is older stuff, still fresh, but older stuff. But I, I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be cool because Rick Rubin is a producer that Paul has not worked with. And, and we really, should add, in case people don't know, he's someone who produced all of the Johnny Cash American recordings. He has produced Tom Petty. Yeah. He's produced Run DMC. Right. He's very, very eclectic group of Eclectic, yeah. but a very musical character. And very well-respected in the industry. Yes. So when I first saw that, I was like, this is going to be great because Rick's going to ask Paul questions that probably Paul has not been asked before. And Paul will have to give answers other than, you know, answer number 43. I dreamed it. Answer number 76. Uh, you know, I wrote uh, that when I was 15. Yeah. And, and couldn't get no worse. Yeah. Um, but and he does do that one. Anyway. Yeah, he, do, he does them all. He does the greatest. He gets them all there. He gets but, all the greatest hits. There. Yeah. But w- yes. But one thing he is, is good and bad. Rick Rubin is very obviously not a Beatle historian at all. Um, he has not watched the anthology. He may, he loves the Beatles music, but it's very clear that Rick Rubin is just not, he's, he's more of a fanboy than a historian on the Beatles. And I, I, you can, you can, you can rebut that. I think it works a lot in his favor in this documentary. I didn't like it at first, but I think it also hinders a little bit. Um, but I do think, he had he did bring out stuff. I didn't mind all the typical stories because Paul embellished them to the to sometimes where I didn't hear a lot of the we didn't we've never heard maybe some of the stuff uh, in the quotes in the same story, which I loved hearing. And number two, he deconstructs never fully deconstructs the song, not one, but he deconstructs so many songs in these six parts that I would personally love to have, you know, another season or two or three of just Paul and Rick deconstructing songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's and so playing with the multi-tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And playing with the multi-tracks. Right. It's just so fascinating. Um, and, and he just talks about some, we'll get into them, but so many songs that Paul never mentioned. And Rob, you said it really well. So many of them are not, Paul songs. They're not Paul songs, which I, I found very interesting that he was picking like while my guitar gently weeps as a song to talk about. And, you know, obviously he does a lot of things or, or even something. Another song where Paul is all over the track, but it was a George song. And it's very interesting that he chose. He would expect him to pick only Paul songs and he doesn't. And I think that freed him up a little bit to talk about his contribution to the Beatles, which I think this is what this is about. Bingo. Um, It's funny because, you know, Paul is now what? 79. If he did this in 1987, I don't think he would have the same response that he's getting now. Um, Because, you know, the, the hangover of John's murder is still affecting criticism of Paul. Um, and he, his, he was very defensive about, well, I was a Beatle too, which he had a right to say. He was right about that. And I think at this point in his life, this, this show, you know, this could be his audio video autobiography. You know? Well, some of it, yeah. 
some a lot of I mean, obviously he doesn't talk about a lot of things because but how long how we don't know exactly what he talked about that stuff that's not in the in the in the six part series. And so, he even makes an, an unusual factual mistake. A couple, couple of them. No, couple. Couple. Yeah. You know something I I, I didn't it didn't bother me as much. It bothered um, me in the last part, which we'll get into. Yeah, it, but I it wasn't and I wasn't bothered by the the same stories which we've heard, but he did tell them differently. Yep. In in many ways, um, they weren't as long. You know, Paul was. If you think about Paul standing the entire time, he's not in a sit oh, he down. Does sit a lot. Yeah, he sits too. He sits only when he plays music. No, he's he actually is sitting a lot when they're at the soundboard. Yeah, he sits. Really, he's used dumb all the time too. Which I mean, I noticed he was mostly standing, but at the same time. I think this is. Was he standing stoned? Standing stoned? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, he standing was. stoned. Standing stoned. Only uh, <laughs> one. You haven't done the sound in a while. <laughs> so, to me, I was, I was, I didn't mind all the repeated stories. Um, I'm not sure I would have picked Rick Rubin. You know who I would have picked? Maybe if if, if I'm going to go alternate, Dave Grohl. Oh yes. I think Dave Grohl. Dave oh, yes. Grohl would have asked a lot more. Yes. In depth questions about the creation of the music and the music itself. Yes. And one thing that bothered me about Ruben was he kept saying that, you know, these parts that he's talking about Paul's bass playing or Ringo's drumming, you know, it's so different from the, the, the rest of the song, like on and your bird can sing. You know, if you, if you just listen to it, it's more of a strum song, you know, John strumming. And then he, they move the slides up and down for the guitar fills. And he goes, this doesn't really belong in a song like this, but it works perfectly. And, and he said that too many times. Uh, and I think someone mm-hmm. like Dave Grohl, who is a fanboy and, and knows, you know, the background might've been a better choice, but Rick Rubin, you know, is not a bad choice either. I'm not going to knock it, but I, you and know, Rick Rubin probably was, looks like it was, you know, Paul's choice too. I mean, it's Paul. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't know how this, we, you know, Paul mm-hmm. is the, the first executive producer out of many. Yeah for this thing. So guess what? Nothing in there, you know, is in there without Paul knowing about it. Well, I mean, no, I'm sorry. No, because he said it, you know, it's like, okay, I, I said this and you know, and that's, that's what it's about. So, you know, he, he, I think he was very good about leaving some stuff in. I was shocked by some of them. I was very, I was very struck by a couple of things. Um, I listened, I listened to a lot of the stories and a lot of the incidental stuff, you know, Tony, you mentioned that some people listen to our show and and they hear like little under the breath stuff and they go, oh, my God, that's so funny. I was trying to do that with this and I picked up a bunch of things which we'll get into, which is kind of cool, um, which lets on really about Mac of the person. Um, yes, and also, there were definitely a few things that showed. Yeah. Yes. And also he is extremely over the top humble in this in this uh show yep by the way i lost lights so i don't know what's going to happen okay with my internet i'm looking the internet's not there but we're still going so sorry okay. but i found You're connected to being, opt online probably so. i i just i just feel like he was so humble and and rob to your point when he was talking about like john's song or ringo song or uh george he he made it so uh, he made a point 
to always praise them so much. Yep. Yep. Even when they were talking about like all my loving, he said he he mimicked the, the triplets that John was John's doing. right hand. Yeah. And he said, you tried doing that for three yep. minutes straight. And right. he was doing it while he was listening to. First of all, when does he ever talk about all my loving? Right. Never. Right. Right. And then he was really giving John the, the credit which nobody gives him for the triplets. Everybody right says, hand. Rhythm guitar. but I, I love the fact that Paul was actually like not trying to take all the credit, even when we know he told wrong stories, like with, with Ringo, with the drumming on, um, on back in the USSR, he said, well, I, I think Ringo just said, you know, you do it. And, and he let me do it. So he didn't remember that Ringo left, but you know, he wasn't trying to say, Oh yeah, that was me. It, it wasn't quick like that. Like, you know, so you thought he was an idiot. Right. Well, um, the, the other side of the coin on that is he he said that Ringo probably uh, didn't play on it because I was telling him how to play it. Right. And, and, and you the don't know is Ringo would have played on that. anything. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, just to get to a couple of points before we drift too, too far from them. But you, you, uh, you know, we're talking about we're talking about who else could have done this. Could, yeah, yeah, it could have been Dave Grohl, could have been Elvis Costello, could have been a number of people that could have sat down with Paul and done something like this. But, but I think that the catch about, you know, I, I've heard a couple of people who I know saw the documentary uh, and we were talking about it and it was that whole, oh, well, um, uh, Rick Rubin was, fan, was a fanboy. And I think that it's sort of not fair to take someone who is not a peer, not a contemporary, Yes, he has worked with Tom Petty slash who worshipped the Beatles and yes, got to work with George. But and he's worked with, you know, fill in the blank. Right? Johnny Cash was a legend. But where I'm going is that if if Rick Rubin had not given the Beatles and Paul those kind of props about the music while he was bringing it up and while he was talking about the parts. And while he's doing it from a producer standpoint, you're still saying, holy crap, I can't believe you guys did this. Right. So so the idea is if, if you're Rick Rubin and you're not a fanboy, something's wrong. You 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 don't get it. You yeah, don't get I didn't mean music. it a negative thing. I no, just... but I mean, like I say, I've seen a lot of people who've been saying that about about Ruben, who are saying, you know, oh, well, he comes off as too. Yeah, you but know, you can see the joy. He's not Jimmy Fallon. Yes. Bingo. But you can see Bingo. the joy when he's actually, you know, first of all, I, he has a really nice voice, Rick Rubin. Yes. <laughs> so you can listen to him. He's very pleasant to listen to. Yes. No, well, that's an important thing when you're hearing it is. three hours. Um, and Paul, you know, Paul's voice actually is very good speaking. I, I think the time off from touring has, has helped him. Um, but you know, like there were things in the first in the first part where, uh, as I said, things that I really listened to her and little remarks like John would have remembered it anyway. You know, when they said, you know, we had to write it down or we, or we never would have remembered it. And Paul said John would have remembered it anyway, which I thought is kind of a cool thing because. Yeah, it's very telling, you know, because. Yeah. John, then he, he then tells the story later on in the episode of Michelle. And he said, remember, John said to him, and he's always said this, so it's not like a, a new thing, revisionist history. He always said, John used to say, remember that thing he used to do in the corner? At the yep, bar? Yep. 
and and when he said John would have remembered it anyway, so that like he backs up what he says by just telling that story again. Yeah, and I I also yeah. love the 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 fact that he said, you know, I, I was very optimistic, um, which tells a lot because the optimism went right through to let it be, you know, and, and Abbey Road. Um, so it there were a couple of things that I really enjoyed the. The clips, the use of the clips is so well done. And Rob, you mentioned they were colorized. I don't care. Um, Well, the problem I had with the colorization was, uh, besides the historical fact, is the fact that the show was in black and white. So if it's in color, it was made to be color. I didn't didn't mind it. The The point of it was, Rob, it was exactly, I think, it was done completely for that very artistic choice it's the idea that what we're talking about in the here and now 2021 with paul mccartney is going to be in black and white we're going to flash back to the footage from 56 years 58 years ago and it's color well it, it wasn't was, uh, consistent though because the wasn't consistent. They, that was the other thing but yeah. I, I think i think that was kind of cool i mean i remember going like this and being like wow i was like and just thinking to myself that's kind of funny like here we are well, black and well, white there's a, there's a famous picture of george where he's like 13 playing guitar that they colorized. Yes. Yeah, that was I'm like, you know, that's such, everyone's seen that in black and white. There's no color version of that, you know? Right. All right. But no, that it, was, a, I mean, again, I, I think it was just, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, just a, a visual aid. It wasn't really meant to be anything major. It wasn't about the clips. Right. No, no. But, and I, and but, I, part, and like I said, there's a lot of things I forgive about this, and I forgive the colorization. You know, they used the Washington, D.C. show colorized, which they did in the Ron Howard movie, you know? I think they took the clip right from the Ron I Howard think movie. They, I think you're right. I think exactly from that. So Yeah. But you know. the other thing was when they when – they, the, a lot of times the clips enhanced the conversation. Yes, because when that's Paul exactly was what they were. About, yeah. When Paul was talking about Michelle, we've heard him tell that, that French story – a hundred times. And then he, then all of a sudden he said, I, I, you know, I, I was thinking about the song, uh, from Edith Piaf and they show her singing it for 15 right. seconds. And you're like, wow. And then he, he never is told the part about having to go to what's her face and, and, and have her write down the, uh, Peter. Yeah. Yeah, sure mom. Mom. yeah. And have her write down the, you know, you better write that one down when he said Sunday morning. No, what not Jane Ash's mom. It was, um, Who's the no? Who's a friend? Um, yeah, Ivan Vaughn's uh, wife. Yeah, right. There you go. But um, but yeah, very cor- good. Corrected. But he never told that part of it. No, and no, you're right. And I always I, thought I actually always thought it was someday monkey won't play piano song. Play thank piano you, song. Powerpuff Girls. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but, no, but you know what? It, that just when I thought I was going to get lulled into you know story number forty-two, yeah, it comes out with an, a new enhancement which makes the story different because now I know more of the story with Michelle. He, he told pretty much the whole story with the Edith Piaf and then the writing down of the, you know, getting the lyrics translated. He never told that two parts of it. And all of a sudden now we see it. So it, I didn't mind the old stories. Um, no, I didn't either. And, but the one thing that I <clears throat> appreciated too, is that going headlong into the music like that, bringing up the stuff on the mixing board and all that, one of the things I, I got a kick out of, and I don't know if he does it once or he does it twice, but he made a comment, which 
I totally understood in, ter- in terms of where they had put Paul McCartney, you know, in that room with Rick Rubin and those tapes, you know, that just stark setting him, the tapes, the console, the speakers, you know, and that was, you know, Paul sort of saying, well, this, that I, it's like another person playing that. Right. It's like another life. It's like another person playing that. Well, he actually and, says that. He, he does. That's what I said. He, he says something just like that. But what I'm yeah. saying is I appreciated that aspect of it because he is he is looking at it almost with like with fresh ears. He's looking at it a little bit through Rick Rubin's ears. You know, like you could tell he's like sort of like digging what Rick Rubin is hearing in this stuff right. and reacting to it. And then, of course, <clears throat> when Rick Rubin asks or says something directly waiting for you know a response from paul paul gives you some good stuff you know it's yeah. it's not and that's what we are you know we as fans have seen so many documentaries and so many that's where we're used to the letdown happening even the host who does hit on something really strong usually just gets bowled over by paul rerouting it to story number 41 right. you but know. he doesn't do it here no no, he, no, 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 he, he sort of does, but he, he adds to it. That's right. the thing. There's, yeah, a, there's, an addition. there's an addition to the story that maybe we haven't heard. You know, the Michelle thing, I agree, uh, Mitch, when adding the Edith Piaf thing was really, it really helps put the song in, in focus. But then again, John in, in the Playboy interview said that, well, the I want you, I need you part is from Nina Simone. So, you know, he doesn't mention that because maybe because John wrote it or whatever, but um, right. So it is a kind of, you know, now I don't want to say one sided, but there is certain parts of the story that other people might add to it if they were. But, but you know yeah, what? It doesn't matter because it's it. all there. Well, and and all as story. long as we're not hearing the same old, because if he would just seriously, if he, if he started off and just, you know, well, I had a dream, I, I would have been so bored. But when they use the clips and it made Paul, you know, Think more. It, it was, you know, it's not like Rick let him off the hook by telling story 43. Right. Um, right. He, you know, he enhanced it. And what I, you know, even like stuff like thinking of Lincoln. I swear to God, I was ju- my head just went right there when you said it. Right. I love that because you know what? He said, I, I also love that he gave George credit again. He said, you know, in the anthology, George said to me, you remember that song, Thinking of Lincoln? You know, and normally, you know, Paul kind of egotistically takes, you know, oh, I did a song thinking of Lincoln, but he, he gave George the credit by saying it and then he plays it, you know, and it's I love that he said if this was a Buddy Holly song, it would have been amazing. And he's right. But stuff like that just really. And you could tell the joy that Paul was feeling. This wasn't like a forced, you know, Paul, you know, for publicity sake, sit down with us for three hours. No, not at all. This was, hey, no. would you like to and see what happens? And you know what? You can tell Paul was very comfortable. It's it was, really it, it was not one place where he was like, yeah. it's interesting you said that, Mitch, because in a way it does sort of come off looking like it was almost an experiment. Right. Let's see if it works. Let's see what happens. Right. If it, if it we'll comes out it, good, we'll make something out of you it. Know, yeah. Paul's just going, all right, got this idea, such and such, and ends up in the room with Rick Rubin. Hey, Rick. All right. We're doing this. All right. We're off. Rubin probably had a, you know, a clipboard with, I mean, he knew, 
I have to wonder, here is my question. I wonder who called the clips that they were going to touch upon and what they were going well, to Well, that's, yeah, we'll, we'll never know. I mean, I could always might, ask you, Alec. Uh, you know, well, I'd, I'd be curious to find out whether well, or not. The clips probably came afterwards. No, 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 no Rob, no, I'm no. sorry. The actual song. That's not what I meant. The audio oh, clips, oh, oh, in other words. Well, I'd be curious to know. the first time ever that the, that the tapes were out of Abbey Road. Yeah. Right. And they, they, were, never, and, they never showed them, uh, you know, uh, looping them up. That was my. No, he probably digitized them. They were digitized. They were probably taken out and digitized what, whenever yeah. Rick needed a song yeah. and then brought right back. They were digitized. But you knew that they, they were digitized were, a while ago. So but you knew yeah. that they were pre-planned in the show because Rick had the strips. Right. Yes. Yes. So right. You yes. knew that 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 going in, it wasn't kind of like, oh, Paul wants to talk about such and such right now. You know, right. go grab the you knew that going into at the very least each episode or each, you know, um, th that, you know, that they'd pre-planned what songs were going to be addressed. So that was that was kind of that was cool. But yeah. I'd love to know who made the call. Yeah. You know, other little things. Um, you know, when he told the sto story about Lady Madonna, I didn't know that was Mrs. Mills piano. No so, idea. So they show Mrs. Mills. And he even tries to play the rag and he says, I can't play it. You know, so it's kind of cool that he acknowledges that he can't even play it, you know, the way, you know, like she did. Right. Um, and but again, they embellished it by showing the clip. And that that was the aspect of the whole special that I mean, you mentioned the Edith PF. I forgot about the Mrs. Mills, too. But that was the aspect of the of the program that really just bowled me over that I just absolutely loved putting it into like real historic context. Yeah. Paul takes you there. The clip takes you the rest of the way. Right. You know, here. Oh, by the way, here's what he's talking about. Because if you would let just kind of let that sit. You don't know who Mrs. Mills is. Right. It means nothing to, to somebody who's not. I was going to say it means something to me and to us, because I know Mark Lewison had mentioned Mrs. Mills to us. Right. Uh, right. But other than that, I wouldn't have known who she was. Right, right. Go ahead. It also places the Beatles and Paul in the, it, you know, they're part of it. You know, I think that's what he's trying to say with like talking about Mrs. Mills, that, you know, somehow we that the Beatles or Paul McCartney was influenced a little bit by Mrs. Mills. Yes. You know, and, and you don't yeah. that that's on the list of influences when you see the Beatles, you know, it's like Carl Perkins, Little Richard, Mrs. Mills. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not there, you know, so. You know, it, wasn't she at the live that. piece in Toronto concert too? Or didn't yes. she do a set there? In the bag. Uh, yeah. She was in the bag. In the bag. <laughs> Literally. She, and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> She's, you know, you, you, there's a new mix that'll come out next year that has Mrs. Yeah, the Mills, Mrs. Mills piano mix. on it. There we go. <laughs> we we couldn't get what? Nikki Hopkins. We had Mrs. Mills. The, the one thing I will say, and then, and then we could proceed because I, I think it needs to be said. Um, I understand why they didn't do it a lot, but they, you know, they focus more on the Beatles than the solo. They did do five or six or seven solo. So I can't say they didn't. Um, and some of the solos, which we'll go into in a few minutes, which is mind boggling, but yes. you know, yeah, they, yeah. Did, you know, some of the solos they did like waterfalls, for instance, um, I got a new appreciation for yes. it after listening to the two of them discuss it. Yeah. And Paul says, this is a good little song, you know, and, and he's right. It was way too long. But, um, you know, he I think uh, I think, you know, even Paul might have gotten a new appreciation for 
going back and visiting, revisiting some stuff that maybe Rick had no idea about. So he chose them. I, there's no way in hell Paul's going to pick check my machine. He wouldn't. No, but that's but Rick. But he's proud of the Rick song. Rubin would. He's very proud talking about that song. Yeah. When he did that, I nearly, I, I nearly blew a gasket. I was like, are you, are you kidding? I was talking about check my machine. I was talking to some people again who had seen the special and, and I was laughing over the fact that I played that pretty frequently on Beatle tracks. I played that a lot on the show. Well, it's a fun song. It's a fun piece. And I'm a Looney Tunes fan and whatnot. Oh, but, yeah. but just to hear, like you said, to hit on that one of all things, that was the big WTF moment for me in the, in the show. But well, yeah, when he does I, that, I, I, I had heard a cover of Waterfalls the day after I watched that episode. I had a McCartney cover CD in the, in the player. And again, the song came on and not even just Paul's version, but you really do get an appreciation for the song. It, it showed, you know, not just Paul's version of it, just the piece of music, which is kind of right. cool. And well, well, Rick Rubin said that, hey, this is a song that we made today. Yeah. And he's probably right. And the only thing that Paul even knocked it, then he pulled back on it. But he said, well, the, this, the, the strings are more like a synthesizer thing. Yeah. And, and instead, because he didn't want to have, I guess, the thing. But, and it's a little, you know, tinkly, I think. Well, that's not the word he moves. But he, he, then he said, but you know something? I like it. You know, he sort of pulled away because... Ruben's loving the song, and I think Paul's realized, well, maybe I should like it too. You know, <laughs> but you know, you're right. But when, like, even, but what I also loved about it is, and this is why I would love to see a just total deconstructing the songs uh, series. When, when he did, maybe I'm amazed, and he played it beautifully on piano. I was just, thank God he didn't sing it. I'm sorry, Paul, but you know, he didn't sing it. But, and it was also kind of stark and kind of sad knowing what we know about his voice at the moment um, to watch him play beautifully in that black and white setting, the opening of, of maybe I'm amazed and not really be able to sing it. Right. But again, right. not here. I don't want to, I don't want to hit on the negative no, here, but you know, I, I've got to say though, Mitch, you, you, you touch on something just by saying that in the idea that <clears throat> um, God willing, you know, he'll live to be a hundred. Right. You know, we hope. But but there has to be that that feeling of of mortality starting to set in and that, you know, as we said, this this could be the the best Paul documentary yet. It is. So with that in mind, maybe it just was kind of just like, all right, it's time. And for him to have started trying to sing, maybe I'm amazed in the current voice. You know, I'm that's glad he didn't. I mean, you know I'm glad I mean? he didn't, too. But well, I'm just saying. And, and again, I'm not trying to knock. No, him no, no, no. But I'm just saying, I think that that's that's sort of part of the very poignant, very poignant. It's part of the kind of letting go. Like, all right, this is still, you know, this is mine. I own this, this piano piece. And you, you all know what my you all know what the rest of it sounds like with my voice. Yeah. But let's, but, you know, you know what all, I liked about it also. Uh, this is was my I, I literally I've said this on the, my show. At the end of Maybe I'm Amazed, right before the end, uh, you, uh, on the live version, you start hearing cheering. Yeah, the, you know, the exact the little do 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 and, and Paul goes, and this is where the cheering comes in. Yes, yes. I said that on my show. And, and I've always thought that Maybe I'm Amazed, you know, that a lot of Wings Over America was overdubbed. And it's not as overdubbed as we thought. But, no, no. But, but that part, because 
you know, maybe I'm amazed is a song that got me into the Beatles, got me into Wings, and and he like acknowledged something I was thinking, and I was like, this is great. Well, yeah. you know? well, to that point, I love the fact that he was he was talking about Roy Orbison, and yep. Roy had the big sound, and every song would end with stop, and the audience cheers, and that's when he started talking about you know, here's the point where we stop, and the audience cheers. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, I mean. That was cool. Those were those were the cool anecdotes, the cool stories that we really have never heard. And it's not even Beatle related. But you know what's the the other great point about it, about it being a Rick Rubin, about it being a Dave Grohl, uh, you know, and I mean, it was Rick Rubin, but I'm just saying any any talk him talking to someone like that with that musical knowledge base allows him the freedom to to talk about Roy Orbison and and not have to stop and say, you know, Roy Orbison, who was a famous singer and that, you know, I mean, he knows who he is. He's not, he's not talking to some other guy at a desk while he's in a chair. Right. He's not talking to a 27 year old journalist. Right. He's talking to somebody who, when he makes these, these references, when he makes these allusions, they're, you know, Rick Rubin knows exactly what's going on. And we're not going to, you know, other than, like you said, when you bring in a Mrs. Mills, you bring in somebody who's or- yeah. pee off, you show the clips, you know, and, and they show Roy Orbison as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's some, it's some- they, they playing and they show a picture of him with uh, the Beatles and Jerry and the pacemaker right. Right. from that 63 tour. Right. So, you know, it's just great to, to have him be relaxed enough to not have to, not have to hold back on those kind of connections. Well, well, Tony, following up on that, if you think about when Paul does an interview, it's like almost that the people doing the interview are trying to get the obit show, like the obit quote for the news, like Paul talks about John Lennon and his good pal, John Lennon. And there's no pressure in this show to ask that type of question or to, and for Paul to be ready for the setup which he yeah. sometimes will you know, gladly do. So yeah. it, there's no, none of that pressure to make the obit thing. Well, you know, uh, and, and that's, that's perfectly put, Rob. I, in essence, what we're going at is that there's no agenda. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect because no agenda. The, the only agenda is Paul telling the stories on his terms where he, he puts it out there if he wants. And, you know, I was perfect. thinking about this uh, today. Wingspan... He was interviewed by Mary. Yep. And it was a yep. different interview because it was his daughter. And, yep. you know, it's dad talking to daughter. Right. And and it, and that was an interesting interview also. Definitely. That was fun. Because it's his daughter. It was a, great, a good interview. And then here he's talking to Rick Rubin, someone who, let's be honest, is, you know, famous and everyone respects him and, and he knows his stuff. And it's but he's talking to him not. You know, like uh, you know, father to a son, but he's talking to him as musician to musician, creator right. to creator, as or yes. you know, writer or whatever. So that's part of it too. It 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 was so relaxed. Paul was I've never seen him in an interview this relaxed and fun. You know, and, not and worrying we, about what he's saying. And and yeah. getting back to maybe I'm amazed. Uh, I was going to make the point of when we listened to the tapes because he played the tapes. There's extra guitars in there yep. that he left out. Yep. But yep. I love hearing that because who knew? But it was What's so the cool. Line he says, is that the song where they're playing something? He just goes, he says something to the effect of, what was I thinking? Like it was, it was like, uh, 
no, one I, piece I, no you, you, you may be thinking of Lucy in the Sky with where yeah, the yeah, high yeah. harmony yeah. he gets the funky note. Yeah. That's then, why then we don't go back to the tapes. <laughs> no, he, but, he he clearly says something either under his breath or something where something plays and it's an extra part that we didn't. Oh, maybe know. it was that where he said, what and was he, he just kind of just goes like, because it's like a high, like, what was they thinking? Screechy, like, yes, guitar yeah. part. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, the thing about maybe I'm amazed having that uh, very seven 1970 sounding effect in there, that guitar part. And, you know, it, it makes it a better song now. You know, it doesn't give yeah. it that dated yeah. feel. Yeah. And Paul was smart about that. He didn't, you know, he didn't put an electric sitar on something. And, you know, yeah. You know, not a sitar, <laughs> an electric sitar. Yeah. The other thing is, again, <laughs> we talked about, you know, the high harmony part for Lucy in the Sky. He told the same stories. Fine. But then they, when they played that part and, he, and you hear that note and he says, we don't go back to the tapes for that reason. It was no, fun. Okay. And he was laughing. But then in the same episode, he, they talk about babies in black. How that? I mean, when the hell does somebody? We shouldn't give the whole farm away. I mean, we no, but, say, but no, but, but people listen. By now, everybody knows what's in there. That's they true. Do. That's true. But, but I will tell you though, he does say it wasn't really a crowd pleaser. But I beg to differ. I mean, first of all, they did it on every tour, you know, even in '66. But yep. you know, but it goes to show you though <clears throat> that Paul even doesn't really grasp some of the perspective of what happened because let's face it they could have gotten up there and played mary had a little lamb at that point you know seven years before paul recorded the single (laughs) and the crowd crowd still would have gone ballistic yes so the truth is where he was going was you know babies in black not a hit song half the people in the crowd there at those 64 shows probably didn't know it you know, because it didn't matter. It, it was part of the happening. Bingo. Bingo. Well, more 65. Oh, it came out at the end of 64. So, but yeah, right. it was but on the 66. They if they didn't 66. think it was such a crowd pleaser, they, they, they could have yeah, dropped right. it in 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 66. But, but to hear him talk about babies in black, he doesn't do it. It's no. like, it's like Ruben purposely picked, you know, album cuts just to see if he can get Paul to remember. Hey, people. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, people who know me know my probably my one of my single favorite Beatles songs is "Enjoy Bird Can Sing." Oh, yeah, I'm talking God. about freaking "Enjoy Bird Can Sing." What the hell? How do he you pulled know? that out? And I wanted to. I was like, now I love you. That's where it makes me wonder who did the choosing. Does right. does did somebody in Paul's camp kind of go? You know, Paul, you may not know it, but "Enjoy Bird Can Sing." That song gets a lot of. Ink among like I don't know fans. because it's or did Rick a Rubin. John song? It is a John song, but but Paul plays the guitar with George on bingo. it. Yes, I know, and they double up on it, which makes it even better. Yeah. Um, I, I I I I agree. One one thing about um, the whole babies in black thing is it they it he and Paul mentions it. It's it's a duet song, and they, they sort of were getting away from that at that point. They were started to show the Everly's though. Yeah, yeah. Then they showed the Evelys. You're right. So, yeah. so yeah. But and he said, but he said Rick Rubin said one thing which I really liked. He said when they were talking about that harmony stuff, he said other than the Everlys, <laughs> you know, who were your musical harmony influences? Um, so you know, it was cool that he said other than the Everlys because he at least knew 
the Everly's were the big influencers. And then Paul right. says, oh, the Beach Boys. Um, right. But, Which, again, is the first time I've ever heard that comment. Right. Him talking about the Beach Boys as being a vocal influence on the Beatles. I've never heard that either. But he also says that, you know, we 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 heard Pet Sounds and we wanted to do one better. So right. we did that. We Pepper. Yeah, we've right. heard that. that we knew. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. But, you know, when he when he when I talked about, um, you know, he also, you know, he talks about James Jamerson and he shows the what's going on clip and stuff, uh, which is I, I just and to see Paul recreate come together base. Mm. I mean, that was just magical. And, and even to hear what Paul was saying, you know, he about, you know, and he laughed so much about, you know, you can't do that, John. It, that's the exact line is, is Chuck Berry. And then, you know, talking about <laughs> making it swampy and uh, it would still contributes to the idea for me of wondering why in God's name, Paul didn't get sued as well. I've always said that it never made that. sense to me. Did yeah, Paul go to court and just go, well, you know, um, I told him, <laughs> you know, all right, go home. I've always wondered why Paul was because it's Lennon McCartney. It's Lennon McCartney. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, Morris Levy said, you know, that's my song. That's my line. And John's like, I stole a line. Come on. Right. Yeah. Right. But then again, well, I never realized that when John brought the song to the band and Paul, he played it more like uh, you can't catch me. Yeah. Cause he played, Paul played the guitar part that, and he said that, you know, and then, and then he mentions you can't catch me. And then, you know, that's when the baseline comes in and they slow right. it down. So I, I never knew that Paul, uh, that John brought it in sounding more like that. Now, and you, can hear it. you can hear it, you know, how yeah. it sounds. Now, of course but, we want to hear the demo anyway. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, they talked about this boy, Jesus, this right. boy, I mean, and, and the one, the one solo song that really surprised me, and I it was junk, and and Rick actually said, "Oh, you 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 didn't have any other words for this. You, you you couldn't think of any words." And he's like, "No, this is the part where you know he, he explains it." But uh, you know, I love the song junk. He said it was jazzy. Yeah, jazzy, right? You know what? Though there again, that's a funny bit too because, uh, you know, that to me may have been Rick Rubin playing dumb because that's another song. Junk is another solo McCartney song that is just really well loved. I mean, I know people who don't even love Paul McCartney as a solo artist. And they'll be like, there are certain songs I really, really, really love. Junk. Song, Where yeah. the hell did you hear Junk from? It was in uh, a Cameron Crowe movie. That's uh, true, too. Right. In uh, right. that Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, you know, they he talked. Uh, the I want to talk about the last part a little bit. We're losing you. Hold on, Mitch. We're losing you a little bit, Mike. Wise. Sorry, uh, I want to talk the, about the. Uh, Wait, the start last that. Part. Start that again. Yeah. I want to talk about the last part a little bit. It's called the long and winding road. I, he doesn't ever say that, but I think for obvious reasons they did it. But yeah, we get the yesterday story, but we get a lot about George Martin. Um, the one thing that floored me. Well, two things that floored me. Maybe three. Tony, you said they did Angelbert sing, which totally. I was like, at that time, I was just melted anyway. But he talks about James Ray and they show James Ray. And then he says, years later, George would, would take, you know, got my mindset on you. And I'm thinking to myself, damn it. You know, Paul just acknowledged George's solo song, which 
I mean, you know, all he had to do was mention Far East Man and I would have died. But <laughs> Far East Man. I'm just wow. saying. No, but, well, he, yeah, but, but you know, actually, on, talk about got my mind. Actually, on Microbes, which was a great track <laughs> from Wonderwall. Anyway. <laughs> but but when you think about it, he George uh, gets credit for And I Love Her. He said George came yeah. up with the riff and he came right. up with the guitar solo. Right. You know, right. that, that changed the whole song. That wasn't in what Paul originally had when you know, the, the anthology one version, you know, right. it's, it's more of a strum song. It's more like and your bird can sing before they add the guitar bits. Yeah. You know, the, to think about it. And, and I forgot to mention in part four, which I found to be the, the probably the best part called, uh, uh, like performers, uh, like, uh, professors in a laboratory talking about experimental stuff. What I love, he, he, one of my favorite songs, hey, you guys know it. He talked about another girl and they play it. And he says, who's that playing guitar? He goes, it's got to be me. It's just bad enough to be me, you know. But so he was humbled. You know, he wasn't going to say I, I took the lead from George again. But, but it, 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 that was another instance where, again, it, it's that pulling himself out of it and, and looking at himself in a different world, in a different life. Yeah. And also as a player on the team. Yeah. So to hear Paul talk about another girl is just one. I mean, again, just something so cool. That's why I keep reiterating. I would love it if. If he just goes, you know, personally, they do a 12 part series, 13 part series, and Paul just goes through every album and his memories of every song, even if he doesn't remember that one, if he says, oh, you know, when I get home, I really don't remember. Well, okay. You, but, you know what it made me think about? It made me think of how absolutely over the moon we were. And I know the perspective of what had gone on at the time and stuff. But when the Playboy, into, the Playboy piece came out with John analyzing oh, the songs. Every song. So, and he you know, remembered a lot. Yeah. And he remembered a lot. And he had comments about a lot. And that was freaking amazing. And you know? of course, in 84, promoting Give My Regards to Broad Street, Playboy did that with paul too so yeah but not to as extensively well it wasn't as in depth as john's and one of the things i remember about that interview that really struck me and i was really surprised the interview didn't pick up on it um paul had left the room for something and linda goes paul desperately wanted to work with john again it was the line was desperately not like oh john wanted to work i mean paul wanted to work with john again desperately wanted to work with john again and and who would know that better than Linda? Right. So, and but the per, right. I forgot who the interviewer was. Never asked Paul that. Say, hey, your wife just told us a story, and can you tell us that one? Unless discretion unless, being the better unless side they of did, power. and he said, I don't want to discuss that. Maybe, but um, print. It's not like you know. And then he well, said, one, and then he said, Linda, you're not getting any Paul loving tonight for that. Paul loving. If you want to talk about another song, uh, you know, they talked about Tax Man. Right. And yes. Paul goes, well, I played guitar on that. And then what did he say? He goes, well, I was probably bothering George on it, how to play it, even though it was his song. And he and George just said, we'll just play it. Right. And, you know, that you know, and then he plays it with George influence, which is even funnier. Though. Yeah, well, it, it does minute. have a, a sitar type of sound or, or figure <laughs> or Indian type of music. Yeah, yeah. But but I don't think he, you know, I I don't think he ever did that on purpose, meaning I don't think he did it to bother George there. I know he said he was probably bothering George. So he said, you do it. 
I think he realizes it in hindsight. He's yes, looking back at plays, but in hindsight, was like, yeah. I do think he did the Indian type influence on purpose to, in tribute to George. Not, Definitely, you know, it, because awesome. he knew George was influenced by that. So, but it's so uh, you know, it was so cool just to to get so many, you know, different songs. That's why I said, even if he went through one week, he did a Beatles album. One week, he did a Wings album. You know. Just to just to hear, I, I don't care what it is. He, he you know was, what you know. We need we need, we need a less scripted. We need an Ubu Jubu twenty twenty one. That's what we need. We need a video podcast. Yeah. Of Paul just going, you know. All right, you know. Today, let's talk about you know, and that's that's that. You know. Well, you know, the only thing I needed the if the only I swear to God, I I think I would have had to gone to the ER. If uh, the song Bogey Music would have come up, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, I, I love it. So, I mean, just, he would have mentioned Paul, that Rick Rubin and his Paul. Can you talk to me about Bogey Music? <laughs> I, I, I love that Bogey Music. I really love that Bogey Music. <laughs> or if they would have done Dark Room, yeah, <laughs> Rick Rubin going, What? <laughs> that, but Please see, that's the type of thing that Rick Rubin, knowing his pedigree, or would you probably know. Him, know. Would probably know, and would I guarantee you, did. Rick Rubin loves McCartney. McCartney too. Right. Yeah, that's that's like, yeah. You know, maybe why check my machine was there. But if you're going to talk right. about McCartney too, you well, got to talk about waterfalls. Waterfall, that'd be the other one. But maybe they did coming up, and it's not there. Right, you don't know what was left on the cutting room floor. Maybe there was nothing interesting to say about it. Maybe they did my secret friend, and we don't know that story. <laughs> no one's doing my secret friend, you know. Well, well, one one thing I want to just bring up, and this is a quote that another insight into Paul and his, and he's being very humble in the show. And Paul goes, whoever wrote the song would have the vision. Then Paul says, then I would butt in. <laughs> right. And they would all get pissed at me. And they'd hate me for it. Right. They would hate me for it. And <coughs> that is such an honest statement. You're not used to hearing Paul doing interviews, you know, saying, Hey, maybe it was my fault. Well, you know, well, Harken back to the whole, let it be. Right. And, and then right. I, when I heard him say that line. I, I said to myself, geez, why can't John and George be around to hear this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you think you think. But then again, they probably be buddies by now and hanging out and whatever. But it'd be fun to just get John's reaction. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But the only other thing that I, I mentioned it before, the only thing that bothered me a little and, and it's a petty, petty thing is the, the recollection of the here, there and everywhere. I know John said in many, many interviews that it's his favorite Beatles song. Yep. Uh, Paul song. But when Paul tells it and he says, you know, we, we, we were on our way to Austria to film help. And John turned to me and said, I really like that one. Well, it wasn't recorded for another year and a half. So well, I, I took, I, I'm, I know I'm probably off the mark, but I might not be. Just writing it? No. A, maybe writing it. Hmm. But B, there was one other time when Paul and John would have been traveling together, maybe sharing a hotel room without the other Beatles. The Apple Conference. The Apple Conference in New York. But that was maybe. later. Yeah. That was later. That was, but I'm just saying, in other words, that, that was after here and the, here, there, and everywhere. Right. So that would have been so maybe Paul was just thinking of, yeah, there was that night that John and I, we'd gone somewhere for something and we shared a hotel room. Oh, it was well, probably while there. we were doing help. 
you know, so I met you, you know, for the, the whole thing, the three I hours, I understand what you're talking about. It didn't bother me as much as it should have. Let's put it that way. Right. It bothered me when I first heard it, because then I was like, oh, especially being in the last part. Yes. Because I was enjoying it so much. I was like, it's been so good. And all of a sudden it was such an egregious error. But again, it's his memory. And, and, and we, like, we know it's not right, but right. it doesn't matter as long as John. T- we know for a fact that John said right. what he said about the song. Right. So as long as he's remembering that John told him it was his favorite Paul song, then it didn't. It, he could have said it was in the cavern and it right. didn't matter because ah. if, <laughs> he's remembering the right thing just the wrong time period that's all right strong right. wrong yo-yo but yeah must um, be the right time wrong place but but the but the the thing too about it is that if rick rubin had made that mistake we oh. would have been crawling all over oh, no that no but, but, but well because <laughs> and and rightfully so though yes because if he's there going oh wasn't that when you uh, right. help? <laughs> didn't you write but, come together when you were in, in Marlebone Station running from the girl. But, that, but that's no. the idea. The idea is that, you know, as we've referenced a bunch of times, uh, you know, throughout the years on the show, you know, we're we're the ones, you know, we and, and the journalists and the we're the ones busy writing it all down. They yeah. were busy living it. So, you know, it, it's right. it's yeah, that that didn't bother me as much. I mean, right. I understand where you're coming from, though. Well, yeah. One thing that got it's me, there was a, um, Paul's talking about George at one point. Yeah. You know, how we met him on the bus. And he called him the little guy on the bus. Yep. And, you know, someone's got to remind Paul that Paul is only eight months older than George. But, but, yeah. but Rob, we've seen the photos. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, George the, the photo photos. of George where he's demonstratively smaller than right. Paul. I agree. And then he agree. got up. Right. Right. So, yeah, there. I mean, he was, you know, you look at George in those new recently found photos. You go, oh, sweet. Jesus. Yeah, there was some like some of those photos I've never seen before. Yeah. Right. And he all of a sudden like a he shot up and became as tall, if not right. taller than Paul. Right. Yeah. right. But yeah, you're right. But you know what? I think overall two things overall. I think Paul really enjoyed this experience. I, I did. Agree. And, and if he didn't, then he's really good at acting because no, he's not. We know he's not. Through. We've all seen. Give my regards to Broad Street. We yes, know you're right. <laughs> no, but I mean, I I do honestly think this was such a different experience for him. He enjoyed it fully. Now, if he doesn't do it again, okay. But but the sheer joy was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I I only hope that you know I know it's on Hulu and and you know and it's on Disney plus and some different countries and different ways of getting it. I only hope there is a physical release of this with six hours of outtakes. Well, yeah, that would be my hope, but I would hope that there'd be at least a half hour of outtakes, even 15 minutes because it, might, who knows? it would just add to the joy. Even if it's shit. It well, would add to the joy. The thing, one thing about this, and we mentioned it before that makes it different than others is the clips is the pictures. If right. you just have the interview part without adding more to it, you know, expanding on it with clips and other things, it, it will be different, but, and maybe we don't, you know, get into it as much, much you know, or feel right. as part of it as I did. I mean, I called Mitch right after I, I watched it yesterday when I watched it and I was like, Oh my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I forgave a couple of things in it, but you know, well, there's one thing I'll get to in a minute, but the rest of it, I, I forgave some of the, you know, the same stories and stuff like that. But w- one thing I also I want to mention, 
he, he talked about his dad a lot. Yes. And talk about, you know, if you notice, Paul, to me at least, seems the most comfortable playing piano. I think as much as, you know, he's a great bass player and he can be a great guitar player, I think his natural instrument is the piano. I think he likes the gathering around mm. the, and the sing-along part. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and, he, and I got that feeling when he was playing for Rick, when he'd be playing the different bits. Uh, there's something about playing the piano for Paul that maybe he doesn't look into as much, but he really, I think it's his, maybe his most natural instrument. And but maybe I, because it was, you know, his father taught him, you know, he talks about how as his father got older, Paul, at the, the McCartney parties, which we know are, are big time, um, you know, he, Paul ends up playing the piano yeah. at a lot of the parties later on instead of his dad. Because he had arthritis. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nice touching moment of Paul talking about his dad because, you know, he doesn't really talk about him as, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not that anyone's asking him, but uh, it, did, it did came up in, in, in the special. The only thing that got me was, and and Rick let it go. John, uh, he was talking. Uh, Paul was talking about John's family, you know, and how John reacted to everything. But you know what? If if you're going to talk about the death of Julia, you can say to Paul, "What about the death of your mother?" Which he never talks about. Well, maybe maybe listen again. Maybe that's going to be an outtake because he didn't play "Let It Be." That's true. That's true. That's so a good we didn't point. get to hear that story. So maybe. Maybe, who knows, maybe they're purposely leaving stuff out as outtakes, which would be kind of cool stuff. Well, you would think that in six out or three hours, we'd hear, let it be. I agree. And, and I have to say the editing was really good because obviously they have to stop and yeah, you know, change things and you know, the, the, the files or whatever and how that was done. You know, there was, and, and one other thing, did you notice all the stuff they were playing maybe wasn't the exact final master. There was yes. a lot of little different things yes. in the yeah. mixes and the vocals. Like Definitely. Well, you got you to gotta remember, Rob, He's they're sitting there with the multitrack. Right. So, you know, chances are good be. if there were a couple of backing vocals applied, uh, you know, all it took was for Rick to either purposely or accidentally slip his finger on the wrong track and bring up a vocal and oh well gee that's yeah. one that wasn't in the final because you, you heard know. even in Anya Burton sing you heard one two three four yeah. right 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 so it was almost like rock band stuff yeah, yeah it um, was but you know rock band had endings or at least these well, these sounded different like and I love her you know at least what I heard only had one riff at the end unless they just did a quick edit but if they did yeah, the edit did. it was really a good edit. Yeah. But even like when you talked about um, Live and Let Die, uh, that, you know, or, or even uh, Band on the Run, uh, you, could hear, you could hear Paul leading Denny and, and Linda in the back yes. when yeah. he's going, all right, let's go now. Here we go. And he's actually cool. like telling the story. Yeah. If you listen to what he's saying in the background, he's like, you know, yep, we've got to go. Where are you? Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. You know, he yeah. does the whole thing about, you know, did we rob a bank? Did we do the, the like whatever he's saying back there? Right, so there's obviously yeah. a theater that, that Rick pushed up in order yes. to hear that stuff, because obviously that wasn't in the song. The yeah. other thing I mentioned before was nowhere, man. And not on the box set either. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I wish we could have, but um, nowhere, man. When again, he never talks about nowhere, man. 
So to hear him talk about it and, and the treble thing, oh, we like that. Can you raise it up and raise it up? And that then was... they show the Circus Crone clip. And, yeah. you know, when do you see that clip? Yeah. I mean, obviously on YouTube and all that. But when do you really see that clip from a Beatle? You yeah. don't. Yeah. And and it's it was great. I just, you know, that's that's one of the better versions of Nowhere Man. And, it, and it's also, I mean, there's a great live version. And you also just don't realize till Paul puts it into perspective just how trebly that guitar solo is. Right, right. Yeah, you, and I, but that only makes me crazy that I want all the early stuff remixed. Yeah. Because, again, on the song track, No Way Man sounds amazing. Yes, it does. If, can you imagine now with 2021, you know, technology, what that song could sound like remixed? Mm. Oh, my Jeez. God. And, and even the, the whole thing starts off with the, with the uh, oohs and ahs of here, there, and everywhere. And yep. I'm like, oh, stop it. You're going to make me go crazy. <laughs> like, literally, it starts off with that. McCartney, three, two, one. Ooh. I'm like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> and I'm going, this is going to be freaking amazing. Yeah. And because and, I've always said, you guys remember, on the back of the, you know, on the four song uh, for Real Love, they do the fly-in of the... Uh, of here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And I always thought, wow, that should be, that's why you need remixing or remastering, whatever. And this special only makes me crazy to have them go back and do the old stuff it really does all right that says for you the the paul mccartney catalog now remixed by rick rubin <laughs> every song starts off with check machine. <laughs> <laughs> and i love her <laughs> check what <laughs> blackboard oh checks my machine <laughs> now you know i mean uh -huh. it, it would be interesting i mean i just it it, it was such you know, when I first did it, I talked about it on the Facebook page. I had a lot of points that I said, ah, OK, but I really I've, I've just come to really enjoy this special. Yeah, I could I watch know. it again because, again, I watched the whole thing today, three hours and I and I could just watch it again. I really could. Very, yeah. very, very well. I, I, I liked uh, the, the ring meeting Ringo story, even though we've heard it. Right. He has mentioned Pete. You know, it's, it's well, not like he says our former drummer. He says, oh, <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, I thought that was, you know, a nice touch, you know, as part of the history of the Beatles that yeah, you know, he wow. mentions Pete and, you know, you know, I, th I don't know if he's ever been to the Cosbach club, but, you know, there's a lot of things at the yeah. Cosbach that, you know, Paul is, is part of, you know, painting ceilings and stuff. That do you, do you think if he had been at the Casbah that, that Rogue wouldn't have let us know about it on the, on the Facebook page? Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, exactly. No. Rogue would be like, look who's here. <laughs> he's here. He's here. Would have been the camera was, this way with Paul in the background and Rogue going. Shout <laughs> well, out to Rogue. <laughs> and also, the other thing about I really enjoyed about this is uh, he talks about you know how important really George Martin was yeah. to the Beatles. And one He's of the things I thought cool. about this is what if the Beatles had signed to Decca? I'm not talking about the Pete Best thing. I'm talking about not having George Martin to help him get through some of this music to that's in their head to get on. Well, we would do, yeah. we'd be doing the Dave Clark free for all right now. We can review any records because Dave won't put them out. Welcome to this episode of Partridge family free for all. And this time we're going to take him in a shopping bag. Joining me is West Tom, Tom, how are you? Hey, so what did you think of those two records that the Beatles did for Decca before they got dropped? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. No, I mean, I don't mean to give, you know, give too much credit to George Martin, but you know, you, you, you part of that experience of that show is that you're listening to those tapes yes, and, yes. and the, each of those tapes. Yes. I know there's the engineers. So, you yeah. know, you wouldn't have had, even though we know I, I don't love this fellow as much as he loves himself. You didn't, you wouldn't have had Jeff Emmerich. You, you wouldn't have had, you know, you wouldn't have had Ken Scott, Norman hurricane Smith. You wouldn't have had Norman Smith and you wouldn't have had George Martin. So it would, it, it sonically everything would have sounded different and the final product would have sounded different would have sounded different so you know what great songs but how many other artists in our time and decades before wrote great songs and never went anywhere yeah no it's uh it just shows that i mean to me and if you had to like learn from the beatles so to speak you could not get what you wanted and then down the road get it and it's even better Yes, I mean I, th- I think that's when you lo- that's why you look at the Decca thing because they I'm sure were disappointed, but look what happened six months later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, right. you know, do we uh, have anything else to add on the? Mac- yes, I have a couple of things. There was a quote that Paul said. Go ahead. And it was, it was such an unusual Paul quote. Is you know we we think of him as the perfectionist and you know always you know have to make sure it's correct. He goes. He's talking about mistakes. And he goes, if they didn't notice it, right. didn't count. Well, he told Ringo that he said, listen, if the engineers, if the producer didn't notice it, it doesn't, it's not a mistake. Right. Which right. is why they did, you know, what you're doing. <laughs> Snarb got me running. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's a good, great line because there's so many songs. If you really study them. There's a lot of mistakes in, in, you know, going from Dizzy Miss Lizzie to, uh, you know, what you're doing. Miss drum beats. I mean, yeah, no, but that's the beauty of it. Why are we talking about these guys anyway? They made so many mistakes. (laughs) This week on Shopping Bag. No, sorry. (laughs) We are now up to to date. We're up to date. One more thing for me. One more thing for me. Is it about bulletin board? I'm sorry. Now, Mitch talked about, you know, here, there, everywhere, in, in, you know, wrong place where you wrote it or showed it to John or whatever. I know what you're going to say. Okay, Rick Rubin. Quoting John Lennon, he should have said from the Playboy interview in 1980, because I'm sick of all these memes on the internet saying that John Lennon said this quote and he didn't say it. You know, so please give your quote and where you got it from if you're going to mention it. Anyway, you sound like a librarian, Jesus. Well, you know me. I, I, I like librarians. They're good people. You know, <laughs> they help you find their books. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do all day. Anyway. You know, I once went to the Port Washington Library, and this one guy was so nice to me. Could have been me. <laughs> well, you, thank God it wasn't Tony. Yeah. No, anyway, you, should, you should sort of paraphrase the quote. Yeah, I'm going to paraphrase it. John said to um, David Chef, he goes. Um, he, he, he talked about how Paul's uh, bass playing is being basically borrowed by musicians today, meaning in 1980. And uh, he's very coy about his bass playing. Now, that's the, what basically Rick Rubin read to him. Right. But the line that he forgot was he's egotistical about everything else. Yeah, but his bass playing is very coy. Yeah. Right. And, and Paul said, oh, I've never heard that line. And I'm like, he, he, never read me, the, yeah. he never read the Playboy interview? Wow. Um, I bet you he hasn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. not but, it might be too hard. And, and then I went back twice 
to make sure it wasn't an edit. And I'm not sure if it was, because it might have been an edit where egotistic would be up. But you know what? The rest of this show, Paul is saying things about himself. You know, and some of it's an edit. I flattering. I think I think he left it out on purpose. Yeah. I'm sure he upset Paul by saying, John called you a neomaniac. <laughs> he said you're a great bass player. So, Paul, yeah. John Lennon called you an egomaniac, you know? Yeah, right. He <laughs> was just that laid back. And, and then I like what, what Paul said. He goes, all right. Come on, Johnny. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but then he went back and Rick said, by the way, he called you an egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> you, Johnny. Oh, <laughs> no. you, Johnny. You know, well, not- you know I, 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 was, I was a little disappointed by the, because it's a good quote, and it's such a John quote of 1980. You know, I know, he, but you know, he may not. Someone may have fed him that quote and didn't give him the reference. Right. Yeah. I mean, he said, you know, John said a lot of things about the Stones too. You yeah. know, in the nineteen eighty two, also. So, but otherwise, you know what? I really enjoyed this. I I do hope for a, a second part or. I would love a second yeah. season. Yeah, second. I don't season think it's going to happen. You you might not, but you know what? You know, if Paul's looking for other people to interview him, I I think we have three guys here would be pretty good to him. You know what, though? I think, to be really quite frank, I think another season wouldn't be as good as the first one. I, well, I think we'd be expecting the first, and if it wasn't as good, it would be, un, you know, so maybe deconstructing Paul's stuff would be great, like I, I want it to be, but I'm not so sure a second season would be as it, exciting. It, if you did it again, you'd have to do it with a different host. Correct. Yeah, no, probably. You have to. Because you, you can't you can't recreate. I mean, not that this was, you know, earth shattering. You can't recreate lightning in a bottle. He had a really nice rapport with with Rick over the course of that. However long it took him to shoot. Um, you'd have to have a different host. Yeah, you'd have to bring right. somebody else in. Uh, by the way, did anyone get why it's called McCartney three, two, one? I mean, does it three, two, one mean anything? I, mean, I haven't read anything about that. That's why. I mean, no. McCartney yeah. lifts off. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> McCartney three. Oh, I, oh that's. Uh, I, I, oh, maybe that is it, Rob. Maybe, but, but, maybe but that's. No, you you hit on it. You hit on it, Rob. You but, hit on it. He's going backwards through his career after the release of three or the impending. No, wait. Well, yeah, they might have named it after they shot it. Right. Maybe. They I don't know. I, 19, I just, I mean, right? I, right, so I'm I, betting that's it. It's McCartney three, two, one. You're going backwards. To you know, so who knows? Well, they did cover a bunch from McCartney, and they recovered um, McCartney too. McCartney and we're too. at McCartney three about nothing from McCartney. Yeah, 3. because Rick hasn't heard it yet. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, I, I like the, the fact I got he, the red one, but I haven't opened it. I'm sorry. Well, I, I like that. He, one of the things he said was he thought that John's first album, Plastic Ono Band, was going to just go, be called Lennon. Yeah. Yes. And that's when he found out it wasn't. That's when he said, "I'll call mine McCartney." Yeah. That's Which funny. I never heard of. McCartney was actually originally going to call the album junk, but then he thought, what am I doing? Anyway, <laughs> Other people will call it that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, on that note. No. All right. Well, we've been talking about the really good documentary McCartney 321 uh, available on Hulu and Disney Plus and other places uh, with Rick Rubin. And uh, we, you know, we thoroughly enjoyed it. And, I give it a nine. Yeah, well, we don't have to rate it. I, okay. Because uh, I, I, you know, I give it a 10. I give it a 10 too. No. <laughs> I give it a 13 and a half. Just a well, that's uh, 33 and a third, I think. Yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, so for 
uh, Fab Four Free For All. I am Mitch Axelrod, your moderator for tonight's episode. And joining me, as they always do, are Rob Leonard. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. And Tony Chiguardo. Have a great morning. So we cover all the bases. That's right. And we will see you all very soon. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.